you might want to take a deep breath before starting this episode. According to data collected by the World Health Organization, nine out of 10 people breathe air that exceeds the highest levels of pollutants recommended by the World Health Organization. What's even worse, there are as many as 7 million deaths every year as a result of exposure to air pollution. While this is obviously a pressing issue, the necessary data needed to combat this issue is often not available in real time, and the public data that is out there is hard to use and offers little context or interpretation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Preview of Tomorrow. I am your host, Mike Lake. In today's preview, I will be talking to Robert Heineke, whose company, Breeze, is revolutionizing the air quality sensor industry so that we can all breathe easy. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Robert, hello and welcome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, once again, to all of our listeners, welcome to all of you as well. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to Robert Heinecke, the co-founder and CEO of Breeze Technologies, a German startup uh, that is rapidly scaling the air quality sensor industry. So Robert, before we, we get into these challenges facing the quality of air that we're breathing and, and about more about your solution, tell us a little bit about who is Robert and how did it come to be that you founded this organization and why? Yeah, thank you, Michael. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, the, the story of how I got into air quality is actually a pretty funny one. So um, I'm originally a computer scientist by trade. That's what I learned at uh, university, you know, how to develop IT, how to, how to code. Um, but uh, somehow during the time that I spent there, I figured out that uh, just working with computers and code wasn't really for me. So from then on, I went into consulting. I did strategy and digitalization consulting for a while in, in health and fast-moving consumer goods. Um, I did that in Germany, in Brazil, and in Turkey. And it was in winter 2014 in Turkey, when I was living and working in Istanbul, that I experienced for the very first time what smog really means. So at some parts of my stay there, the air pollution was so bad that you could barely see the other side of the street anymore. And this this really shocked me. This was a first for me. And you know, with with the with the experience of being a consultant, you're you're typically used to work with a lot of data sets, to work with a lot of data and try to figure out the problem that way. So when I dug into air pollution, there was no data or there was very limited data available at all. And this this really shocked me and, and I wanted to learn more. And uh, yeah, this is basically how I how I ended up in the field. Wow. So we have Istanbul to, to thank. <laughs> um, my wife, I have to tell you, is Turkish, so that 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 is a carries special weight in our family. Um, now, you, you've mentioned the the impact of smog in in that particular city, but tell us a little bit more about about, about air and and 
I mean, it's something clearly that we all take for granted. I mean, every day we breathe, obviously, and, and I don't think many of us consider exactly what it is that we're breathing. Yeah, if, if I mean, if we're talking about daily necessities, people are typically starting to list off water and food, but air is really at the very bottom of the of the pyramid, what, what a human actually needs to survive. And we, we typically take that very much for granted, but actually, if, if we look at the environment around us, we, we shouldn't. Air pollution is, according to the World Health Organization, the greatest environmental health threat of our time. And air pollution kills an approximate 7 million people per year. Yeah. And this is really crazy if we think about that. And it's not only in, in, in China and uh, developing countries, you know, but it's also in, in Western nations where we think we have very high um, environmental standards. We have air pollution in, in the US, we have air pollution in Europe. It's just that the particles in the air that make up the particulate matter, for instance, they became so small thanks to the very modern and very efficient combustion engines that we have here mm. that we can't see them anymore. So you don't see the smog, but it's still there. And to, to raise that awareness and to make people understand that air pollution is still a major concern and we should do something about it. That is really critical. That is really key to the mission of actually then improving the air quality. Well, that's something interesting I had not, not really thought of before is that our own innovation in one area uh, is actually creating an out of sight, out of mind issue for the thing that matters most, as you say, it's the air that we're breathing. Um, you know, it, it was striking to me to learn that air pollution affects more than 90% of the world's population. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite honestly, I'm, I'm curious to know who the 10% are that seem to escape it. Um, but uh, I mean, 90% of the world's population, billions of people, it, there's nowhere we can seem to hide from this. Um, it's shocking to me that more information is or data is not available. Why why is that data not has has that data not been available? Yeah, I mean one of the one of the core challenges is really that uh, even today we are still um, trying to monitor air quality as we have been doing in the 60s and 70s when air quality mm -hmm. monitoring networks first arrived. Um, so. Um, the, I think the origin story of air quality monitoring really starts in the UK, where we had the big London smog and a lot of people died there due to very high levels of pollution. And I'm talking about really uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and people really kipping over in the street uh, instead of uh, just long-term uh, health effects that we typically talk about in regards to air pollution. And people there started to look into the field of air quality monitoring and we came up with these big bulky monstrosities of highly complex uh, scientific equipment to monitor all the different parameters of, of urban air quality. That includes nitrogen dioxide, ozone, ammonia, particulate matter, and many other parameters that, that we call air pollution in general. And this hasn't really changed. So we still have these big bulky monitoring stations sitting on our roadsides and cities mm -hmm. have very limited amounts of them. So Hamburg, where I'm based, city of 1.8 million people, has 15 stations where they know the air quality, and that's it for the whole cityscape. And I mean, this is really crazy if you think about it. And and how? Give me a sense. How um, how much uh, of a difference can there be 
from, say, one neighborhood to another within a city even. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a neighborhood. Studies have found that even 50 or 100 meters further, you have completely different air quality to what you have at the monitoring site. So um, it's really, it's a, it's a local, it's a hyper-local difference of air quality. The next street can already be completely different. And if we're talking about air quality in a, in a residential area, that's already completely different than maybe the main street that goes alongside it. And uh, so to understand these differences and also to map these differences, I think this is the key to also then pick up the fight against air pollution even further. And, and so your point here, or at least what I'm getting from this is, is that by having those old monstrosities uh, of equipment to, and only 15 of them certainly is not enough. But what we really need is, is something that is less invasive uh, in, in terms of its presence and much more pervasive in terms of its coverage of a, of a community. Um, so that leads us to Breeze, Breeze Technologies. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Breeze and, and how this is helping, uh, you know, monitor air quality. Yeah, I think you summed it up already perfectly. So exactly what we are trying to do is create the ground truth picture of how air quality is distributed over the whole cityscape to not only have 15 or so sites where you know it, but really to be able to say per street, per block, even per per outside door, how does the air quality look like there? And also, where does the air pollution come from? Where is it from? By what is it influenced and how can it be mitigated? And to do that, what we have done is we moved all the complexity from traditional air quality sensing, from the big, bulky monstrosities of monitoring equipment. We moved all the complexity that we could from the piece of hardware into software, into the cloud, to make the sensors, to make the monitoring equipment as lightweight, as simple, and as affordable as possible. And that allowed us to create hardware that is a thousand times uh, cheaper and 50,000 times smaller than the current market standard to monitor air quality. Wow. And then really have hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of real-time data points in the cloud where we bring all these data sets together and where we can actually derive real-time actions to improve air quality, like, for instance, rerouting traffic and many other things. So where, where does the, I'm going to start, there's two questions here, responsibility and opportunity. But where does the responsibility for this really fall? Is, is this government? Is this community level? Is it national level? Is it corporate level? Tell us, what's yeah, the right approach? It's 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 very different by country, and I think that's that's yeah. one of the biggest challenges. So um, in in Germany, for instance, it's on a state level, so the states are typically responsible to monitor air quality. But then, if you're a larger city, you also have your own environment and department that is that is doing it. And in the U.S., it's also like the cities are doing it, the states are doing it, also on the federal level, um, the EPA is is doing it. So um, the, this this disconnect between people who actually have the problem, which is everybody in the city that, that is breathing the polluted air, and then the entities who are responsible for it, which might sit on a federal level, which have their offices in a completely separate state. 
this is this is really one of the one of the key challenges. So what we are trying to do is get everybody involved in air quality monitoring and management. So we work with both. And the, when you say everybody, does that include the individual? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. So we we work with the individuals, with the citizens that can put uh, can become sensor hosts, hosts of our air quality sensors. So they put the sensors on their balconies, on their private properties, and contribute towards a larger network of, of air quality sensors. We work with uh, commercial entities, corporates, we work with industry to run measurement campaigns and run sustainability engagement campaigns on the city level or on the regional level, um, wherever they are, they are involved in the communities. And then we also work with the municipalities, with the cities, with the states, with the environmental ministries to then more on a regional to countrywide level understand how air quality is distributed over over overall, and we not only focus on actually getting data from the sensors, but we also tap into the existing monitoring networks, get all the data out of that. We use data from satellites and all other data sources that are available to basically generate an as realistic and as holistic picture of air quality as it is possible. So, tell, focusing on the individual level uh, for a moment, at least. Tell us what what does what does that sensor look like? How big is it? Where would we put it? Well, I guess you mentioned that a little bit on our balconies or whatever. But how do we get involved in, in being one of these hosts? And how does that whole process work? And what does it look like in terms of our experience as an individual? Yeah, so the sensor is very non-invasive. I think um, I actually have one here. So it's basically this kind of uh, okay a small device. It looks I, I would say it looks a little bit like uh, like a tea can or something that you would take to work uh, to, to have your warm tea. Um, so something like 20 centimeters high, 10 centimeters in diameter, not not very large. And the only thing you basically need in infrastructure locally is is some sort of power outlet where you can plug it in. And it doesn't even use a lot of power. It, it uses something like five watts, so that's even less than your phone uses if it if it charges. Um, people can sign up to be a sensor host through our website um, and also through a global citizen platform that we run. So if you go to map.breeze-technologies.de or .com and look up the citizen portal there, you can actually type in your address and see whether there's already some data available from your neighborhood, even including the public monitoring stations. But if there's not any data available, then there's going to be a small pop-up. Hey, sorry, we don't have a sensor close by, but do you want to host one? And this mm -hmm. is then where you can sign up in a form, type in your address, type in your contact details, and we'll contact you as soon as we have a project available nearby where we have the, the state or the municipality or corporate sponsor that is willing to fund a monitoring network locally. Fantastic. And, and is there any way, if you don't have such a partnership already in, uh, in existence, is there a way that uh, the citizen can help generate uh, the demand from its local government or local corporation? Yeah, already by signing up uh, for, for that potential uh, hosting of the sensor, um, you become part of a of a network of volunteers. And of course, we are looking at where are people located that are very highly interested in, in getting this kind of data. And if we have, let's say, 50, 100 people from a local community that all say we want air quality data from this or that part of the town, this already helps us to reach out to the local council and say, hey, look, there's there's apparently a lot of people who are interested in this. Isn't this something you would like to further look into? 
And we have actually cities where this community action, where the citizen involvement resulted in the city starting to monitor in more locations and deploying sensors, generating more data, and then also involving the local community in the cleaner action plans they have since then actually set up. That's that's fantastic. I, I love that grassroots opportunity. So if anybody wants to learn more or, or get in touch with, with Breeze, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, it's really through our website, breezetechnologies.de or .com. Um, and uh, we have a contact form there. We have also a form where you can sign up as a, as a potential host for our sensors. And if you want to directly message us, you can also do it through, uh, through our LinkedIn uh, site. Well, Robert, as always, this time goes by so fast, but we're so grateful to have had you uh, join us today and to, to really inform us of just how important the air is that we're breathing and how we shouldn't be taking it for granted. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing uh, to monitor this on all of our behalf. And uh, for, for all of our listeners, you know, every breath you take, just think, if you haven't signed up to host one of these sensors, uh, it's, it's one breath closer to, to cleanliness uh, if you do so. So we hope you'll, you'll visit uh, Breeze Technologies. Consider hosting uh, a sensor if it comes to your community. And uh, with that, Robert, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.